Welcome back to another episode of Sean and Ed's Do Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Ed's. We're bringing you some baseball history. Yeah, that's right. We're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story receiver doesn't know what the storyteller is going to be telling them, and that's me this time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I got a good one for you. You got a good long one this time last week. It was a little bit shorter. Yes. In an extra innings, but that was fun. Yeah, that was all right. did something different. It was a little bit different. If you didn't listen to that one, we, we talked about... The date of September 29th in baseball history. A lot of interesting things happened on that day, obviously, as, you know, uh, one of the last days of every regular season for the most part. Yeah. What? What? Not the season we're talking about today. No, we're talking about the postseason? We're talking about the postseason, but the season in particular, they didn't play on September 29th. Oh, interesting. At nobody. All. Nobody was nobody playing did. by September 29th. Okay. Nobody. That's... That's odd. There you go. You're throwing peak. a wrench into my spokes right away. Okay. We are a minute in. Yep. So, I mean, we might as well just get going on this. Yeah, we've got to tell them to follow us on Twitter we at do. Doing Baseball and Instagram at Doing.Baseball. Yeah. And, of course, you're listening to us somewhere on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We it- would appreciate it very much. And, uh, as usual, of course, thank you for listening. Yeah. It's October, baby. Playoffs are on. Uh, our team is not in it, unfortunately, nope. even though they won 91 games. Yes, we were. I was there for the 91st win. <sighs> they did their part. Kinda. They did their part, and it was heartbreaking to be there at the stadium. They they did their job. Uh, George Springer was on the field doing a post-game interview, and I, I don't know if it was actually five seconds, but I swear to God it felt like five seconds after that interview was over. They cut the big screen to the Boston Washington game yeah. and Devers hit that two run home run. Yeah. And you know, the, the breath, it was a collective putting of our arms behind our head in the whole stadium. And the breath was just sucked out of the place. And it was like, uh, fuck, okay. we're done now. Okay. Honestly, okay. stop. You're hurting me. That's going to not You're hurting over me. that one again. You're hurting me. Let's <laughs> talk about something happy. So April 6th, 1917, the United States declares war on Germany. That sounds happy. That's <laughs> not happy. Uh, so they Fuck. declare war on Germany and the Axis powers in World War One. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for you non-military uh, history aficionados, the U.S. really didn't have a huge army back then. Okay. Uh, they had a pretty small army. My guess, and I'm estimating based on books I've read in the past, I didn't actually do any research, I'm ad-libbing here, is, is they probably <laughs> had 20,000, 25,000 soldiers, but they needed hundreds of thousands of soldiers if they okay. were going to fight in World War II, or World War One. sorry. Okay. Uh, so the country began to mobilize a slow process at the time. Over the next year, the country began to focus its efforts on changing to a wartime economy and enlisting and trading men to fight. So okay. they're going whole ass into World War I. Right. right? In 1917. So they're late to the party. Yeah, it's April 6, 1917. Uh, but they wouldn't really, the U.S. wouldn't really have an impact on the war uh, with with soldiers at least in, until probably that fall or winter time, but the soldiers were were posted mainly at uh, whatever they'd probably call it easy assignments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. crazy. They had to mm-hmm. learn how to fight trench warfare. Yeah, so, so really, so it took like six or seven months. You said me, like no, it but was... even after six and seven months, they're just getting there and they're getting. So the I mean, easy you're stuff. saying it was a slow mobilization. Exactly. So. But by spring 1918, uh, the U.S. had pretty much fully mobilized. Uh, men were arriving in France, uh, France, and real casualties of the war began to mount. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to historian Jim Leake, 38% of ballplayers would serve in World War One, including Ty Cobb and Christy Mathewson, to, to name a few. Okay. So, as I mentioned above, going into the 1918 season, some teams looked very different than in past years. The Boston Red Sox were one of those teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had lost a large chunk of their 1917 lineup and had finished second place. They had had won the World Series in 1915 and 1916. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they lose a bunch of guys, uh, including their best hitter, Duffy Lewis, who had joined the Navy. 
Duffy joins the Navy. Duffy so. joins the Navy. Okay. Yeah. I so, believe that's a that's a great silent film. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I don't think it is. <laughs> Duffy Jones. <laughs> Sounds like like a cat, like one of those movies where like an animal gets yeah, it's a human like a, job. It's like a Felix the Cat short film. Yeah, no, but <laughs> You know what I mean? Like Airbud, like goes oh, okay. goes deep yeah. or whatever, like yeah. whatever. The, all the it's a sequel. It's yeah. not the original. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, I, anyways. Uh, for some reason, I can picture a cat named Duffy. And if, yeah. if anybody has a cat named Duffy, reach out. Congratulations. Congrats. <laughs> so uh, they were an amazing team. As I say they 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 finished. They were basically in the midst of a dynasty, having won two of the last three World Series. Uh, fans and management were eager for the team to regain their crown in 1918. For some reason, Red Sox owner Harry Frazzy uh, predicted that the war would be over by opening day 1918. And as I mentioned, this is when things peak for the U.S. and the casualties. Right. Instead of being over, it's like hundreds are about dying yeah. and thousands are being yeah. injured a day. Um, so <laughs> they had another thing coming. He even publicly bet. At Why? six to one odds. Why would you do that? I don't That's know. fucked up. That's the mark of a sociopath. Yeah, you're just like I'm, I'm gonna, gonna bet on the end of the war. Yeah, I mean it's kind of yeah, it's 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 optimistic. I guess. Yeah, but, but it's also a little bit sociopathic. Yeah. So uh, he would of course be wrong, but he, with his brash confidence, Frazy or Frazzy, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Frazy. Frazzy? Cool. How do you spell it? F R A Z E E. I watched a documentary that said his name hundreds of times. Frazzy. Frazzy. Uh, so he went on a spending spree. Other teams are like holding their money back because they don't even know if there's going to be a season in 1918. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he goes like, he goes balls out. Balls out. And he's taking advantage in basically of the uncertainty. Right. So he's buying up players. He's buying up players because he's like, it'll be over by spring and. I'll have the best team because you guys. And I'll win that bet, and I'll make all this money back. Exactly. He's Uh, got a plan. Yeah. So uh, he bought Bullet Joe Bush for sixty thousand dollars from the Philadelphia Athletics, uh, as well as purchasing catcher Wally Schling, uh, outfielder Amos Strunk, and infielder Stuffy McKinnis, who was a key piece to the Athletics dynasty uh, a handful of years earlier, Mm -hmm. and cousin of Duffy. Yeah, of course. Stuffy and Duffy. <laughs> and I looked it up. His name is Stuffy. No, it's not. <laughs> I did, I, well, I mean, I didn't look that hard, but There's I looked no it up. Way. I don't know. That's not real. Look it up. I don't know. I will. And then uh, I'll I'll pro- I'm probably th- there's so many good names in this that maybe I was wrong. Maybe it was a different guy. I got some names too. Okay, so by the time Coming snow. Up. <laughs> Okay, by the time the snow began to melt at Fenway, the Red Sox looked like a strong contender for the AL pennant, but the season was in jeopardy, as many kind of thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Johnson, president of the American League, had offered to shut down the league. Many players had already either signed up for the service or gotten lucrative jobs in the war industry, some of whom got extra pay to play for company teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep. But President Woodrow Wilson told Johnson to continue playing, much to Frazzy's delight, I am sure. So there's a of course. short period where they don't know what's going to happen, and it comes together because Woodrow Wilson's like, nah, nah, just just keep playing with whoever's left. And Frazzy's stoked because he's going to see a return on his investment. Of course. So yeah. the Sox blast off to a great start. Uh, they win their first six games, and they're 12-3 and three to start. Uh, they'd lose seven of eight, but then steady the ship with another six-game win streak. Uh, and by May 20th, they were 19 and 10, three games up on the star-studded White Sox. So if mm-hmm. you don't know, uh, this is, yeah, as I mentioned, this is when the real casualties start happening. Because they start, instead of just having defensive, easy positions, they start actually, the U.S. troops start attacking yeah, positions. start getting into uh, it. Yeah, so thousands of soldiers and civilians alike uh, also began to become ill. From a mysterious flu that had started going around. Possibly in Spain? Uh, no. Oh. Well, so here's the thing. Am I jumping ahead? No, you're jumping ahead, but (laughs) there's nothing written about this. I might have gone into it. Uh, and, And I will a little bit in a second, but just to clarify, the Spanish flu was just called the Spanish flu because of, uh, Spain wasn't involved in the war and they had headlines like, oh, this flu. So everyone's like, oh, this flu must be coming from Spain. It probably came from the United States. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And by sending their soldiers overseas. Mm. It makes sense. Yes. 
Yes. And where are we talking about here? We're talking about Boston, a port city. Boston. Boston. Say it right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so people are becoming sick. Uh, So this is the first wave of the Spanish flu uh, in the spring of 1918. General Enoch H. Crowder, the judge advocate general to the United States Army and Congress, wanted to assure that every able-bodied man assisted in the war effort, so they issued a work-or-fight order on May 23rd. Baseball was declared a non-essential occupation, and baseball players had until July 1st to enlist in the military or get a job in a shipyard or a defense plant or something that constituted to the war effort. So, season started on time, everything's fine, but now we're basically at May 2-4, and... That's changed now. That's changed. Yeah. At the same time all of this was happening, the Chicago Cubs were putting together a great start to the season uh, that many probably did not expect, led by a ridiculous pitching staff highlighted by Hippo Vaughn and Lefty Tyler. It might have been Hippo Vaughn. Hippo Vaughn might have been the guy I was thinking about, not Stuffy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think Hippo's Vaughn, Hippo Vaughn's real name is Hippo Vaughn. I, that sounds more correct to me. I feel like I've looked up Hippo Vaughn. Yeah. Okay. okay, carry on. So the Cubs were an unexpected contender in the National League after finishing fourth or fifth consecutively in the last handful of seasons. But this Cubs team had some new players, and most importantly, rookie shortstop Charlie Holicher. The 22-year-old rookie would lead the team and the league in hits and total bases, collecting 161 hits in just 131 games. But you might be saying, for Charlie. but wait, it's only Charlie? like... Yeah, Charlie okay. Holicher. Yeah. So, obviously, the Cubs play 131 games somehow. Mm-hmm. So, at the time the worker fight order uh, was announced... The Cubs were in second place uh, with 1911, at 1911, and the New York Giants sat four games above them on a torrid pace, winning 23 of their first 30 games. Damn. So all of this is going on. They keep playing, uh, but they don't know whether the season's just going to stop on July 1st. Mm-hmm. And some guys are already jumping ship to, to sign up before, because if July 1st hits and you don't have a word time job or you're not enlisted, you get drafted. Right, so you don't have a choice. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So at least this way you get to choose your like. Oh, I want to be in the navy rather than a foot soldier. Mm-hmm. Whereas right. if you get drafted, they, they tell just you. tell you where to go. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so come July, Secretary of War Newton D. Baker officially enacted the worker fight order, and the season almost stopped. A coalition of owners, including Cubs owner uh, Charles Wegman. Wasn't the Wrigley's yet, mm-hmm. and of course Red Sox owner Harry Frazee. <laughs> so I just spent all this yeah, money, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has petitioned uh, Secretary of War Baker to allow the season to continue, but only until September second. Okay. Baker would also agree to exempt the two World Series teams until September fifteenth. Okay, so I got you. So, so remember so how we whoever, started? Whoever wins the leagues makes it to the World Series. You get a bit longer. Yeah. yeah. But makes sense. But yeah, so he's allowing them to play out the season, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's much shorter. That's how we started this, right? No one was playing on September 29th. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so now all these players have left. All these guys have jumped some, ship. Some of them. Not, just well, not, not all of them, not but a, all of a bunch them. of them. Yeah, I'm sure the owners were telling the players that, like, don't worry, we're going to, we'll work this out. We mm. got connections. We're rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> we right. don't pay you much, but we're yeah. rich. We crushed a whole league. We can pull this off. Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can keep playing. So the season was shortened, and some teams played, you know, 125, some played 100. And, 29. Basically, it was anywhere between 124 games to 131. Mm-hmm. That's uh, so fucking weird. Well, it was for both. I'm talking about both National League and American. I think the National League had a few more games than the American League teams generally. Right. Um, so the Okay. But also, with the season ending the first weekend of September, like June and July and August, like all of a sudden, this is really important baseball. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. earlier in the year. Yeah, the playoff race is in the middle of the summer. So now. once this was announced, the Cubs lit the world on fire in June, going 18-6. and six. So they surpassed the Giants. Uh, but the Red Sox over in the American League, they're in a dogfight with the Yankees and Cleveland. Uh, but the Red Sox had something that Cleveland and the Yankees did not have. Or at least in the Yankees' case, 
did not have for another year and a half. <laughs> George Herman Ruth. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> they had a 23-year-old pitcher named Babe Ruth who was showing the world that he could actually swing the bat pretty well as two. Mm-hmm. As two. That's right. As two. So, in 1918, uh, and so here, I actually have to put a caveat, because this is what could have really drawn out this story, but I actually want to do an episode at some point in the future on Ruth's pitching years. Okay. Like, that. that's Fair a subject. Enough. I've had that written down forever, mm-hmm. and there's so much. Yeah. It'd be a good episode. Yeah, but we're, so we're just going to go through this, because there's some amazing stories. And I'll kind of allude to some of them, too, but I, I'm not going to go... Full depth. Mm -hmm. Um, So in 1918, Ruth was at a major impasse in his career. In 1916 and 1917, remember they won the World Series in 1916, uh, the young babe was one of the best pitchers in the league, going 47 and 25 with a 1.88 ERA over 650 innings. God damn. Yeah. Remember, it's the dead ball. I was going to say lower scoring era, but still. Yeah. So Babe just wasn't one of the best pitchers in baseball. He was also known that he could hit, and he made people know that he could hit, even though he only got to hit when he pitched. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But first, Babe almost died. Is that true? Yeah. So, once again, more detail in a future episode. But during spring training, Babe caught what was the first wave of the Spanish flu. Uh, Rumors spread that the Boston ace may die. In fact, several of the Red Sox had gotten ill during spring training in Arkansas, uh, when the team played at Camp Pike in Arkansas in front of the troops. And that's what I mean. That's what they, they found, mm. epidemiologists found that, that it started, I believe it was from a, a soldier from Kentucky that joined. So it started in the Midwest of the U.S. Yeah. in like March and spread everywhere. And we're going to get way more into this. But <laughs> literally one historian said you could watch the Spanish flu spread throughout the United States by following the Boston Red Sox. Goddamn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they probably encountered one of the first outbreaks in the world. Mm-hmm. And Babe Ruth got it real bad. Yeah. Uh, Can so, you imagine, just like briefly, quickly, if like imagine if Babe Ruth did die from that? Like what is like the history of baseball look like? Well, he would just be a flash in the pan pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That like won one World Series. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Imagine yeah. like you don't like imagine the baseball ra- Mount Rushmore missing Babe Ruth because he died of the Spanish flu because they played in front of soldiers, one of whom yeah. was, was from the backwoods and ate a squirrel or something that <laughs> gave him the virus. So, <laughs> um, so he pulls through. He's fine. Once mm-hmm. again, more details in future episode. Mm-hmm. With so many of his teammates leaving for the war effort, Babe petitioned his coach, Ed Barrow, to let him play every day. Barrow resisted, fearing the reaction from his peers and the league. So he's essentially having being like, oh, I'm going to look like an idiot if I just let you hit. You're a pitcher. You're not, you know. Yeah. Um, pitchers can't hit. Pitchers can't hit. And... But Babe was so annoying and got into so much trouble. Once again, future episode, Barrow finally relented, and on May 6th, he put him into the lineup. Ruth hit double-digit home runs for the first time in his career, leading the team and the league with 11 home runs in just 317 at-bats. Pretty pedestrian nowadays, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, back pretty then. darn good back, back in the dead yep. ball era. Yeah. Uh, Ruth also pitched in 20 games for the Red Sox, starting 19 and putting up a 2.22 ERA in 166 and a third inning pitch. Shohei, eat your fucking heart out. <laughs> so he's essentially Shohei-ing it in 1918 with, well, maybe not better home run numbers, but but better pitching numbers. Right. Um, and so mid-year, I mean, once again, this will be more researched in the next episode, but he, Ruth ends up starting to complain about his, his wrist or his elbow or something. Uh, and Barrow was just like, fuck that. You're not hitting anymore, especially against, like, left-handers. If we're really desperate, we'll use you against righties, but mm-hmm. if there's a lefty on the mound... And no, chance. Not, no chance. Yeah. No chance. Also, I have to show you a picture of Ed Barrow's eyebrows. <laughs> okay. Alright, here, let me... Just, right now? Yep. Alright. Ed Barrow's eyebrows. Yeah. They're pretty awesome in every way. Are they as impressive as uh Keith Hernandez's eyebrows? Dude, dude, these are these are oh I've got a full screen this for you. I'm sorry. Yeah, full screen it up. Full screen. There we go. 
Twist it around. Twist it around. Can I zoom in anymore? Oh, know, yeah, I can. You're killing time here. Oh, I, sorry. Style, yeah. Look at those. Oh, my God. Those go for miles. They're, They're at, like attached to his sideburns. Yeah, are they weird. real? There is a perfect gap. <laughs> I think those are real. Man. Those are thicker than some mustaches. Yeah. Like, thicker than my mustache. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's absolutely... I don't know how I ended up seeing a picture of Ed Barrow, but I was I like, know. you know, Edzie needs to see these eyebrows. So, um, Ruth is... That's the story of Ruth in the Red Sox so far. So, on July 4th, the Red Sox sat tied with the Yankees in Cleveland, nipping at their heels, just a game back. But just like the Cubs, the Red Sox got hot, going 16-4, and and by July 24th, they had a six-and-a-half game lead in the American League. So, it's looking like we got our two teams lining up. Yeah. Uh, with one month left, the Cubs walked away with the National League pennant, winning it by ten and a half games, eliminating the Giants. You know, like a week and a half before the season was mm-hmm. even over, they had it wrapped up pretty yeah. handily. Cle- Cleveland stayed right behind the Red Sox, but couldn't manage to get back within three games. And on August thirty first, Ruth picked up his thirteenth win of the year, along with a single and a double in a six one defeat of the Athletics. And the Red Sox clinched the American League and were back in the American. Back in the World Series. Yes. yes. <laughs> Third time in four years. And they were back in the American World Series. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, World Series set, Cubs first Red Sox, 1918. It would absolutely be a shit show. A dark cloud hung above baseball, as many thought this could be the last baseball game for potentially years, depending on how long the war went. Which, at the moment, was once again producing thousands of casualties a day and seemingly only getting worse mm-hmm. and now we know that it was two months away from being over right yes but then it you didn't, didn't seem that way and it didn't seem like there was going to be a baseball season next year if the war was still going on right this one was already so yeah this one was already canceled. on borrowed time yeah exactly um so also uh the spanish flu pandemic worsened with a second deadly wave hitting in september most Americans who would die of the Spanish flu would die over the next four months. Baseball just didn't feel really important. No, I guess it wouldn't. No. So the series was a little bit different, having the first three games in Chicago and the final four in Boston to reduce travel and re- preserve resources for the war. Uh, so first three games are held in Chicago. Uh, Wrigley was built at the time, whatever. It's like Wegmans Field or Wegmans Field or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they play at Comiskey Park. Uh, because Comiskey has more seats. Yeah. Uh, game one would be an absolute, I wrote this twice, an absolute pitcher's duel between <laughs> Hippo Vaughn and Babe Ruth, with neither man giving up an extra base hit. Babe would end up outdueling Hippo as the Red Sox won one to nothing. Wow. Yeah. And guess who got the fourth inning single? Not Babe, but. Stuffy McInnes. Of course. Yeah. So you'll see Frazzy's team is the contributions in the World Series other than Babe. is like almost all of these guys that he picked up. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> but even with the legendary pitching matchup, this game is remembered for a moment between the innings. Really? Yes. So. During the seventh inning stretch, the Navy band in attendance started to play a song by the name of the Star Spangled Banner, a known patriotic song, but not yet officially the national anthem of the United States. Hmm. Interesting. This, this song had been played here and there at sporting events in the past, but this seemed to be the first time during a Major League Baseball game. Red Sox infielder Fred Thomas, who was in the Navy but had gotten a furlough to play in the World Series, immediately turned toward the American flag and gave it the the military salute. Other players took notice and faced the flags with their hands over their heart, and the crowd began to sing. What a moment. I know. It is kind (laughs) of beautiful. Uh, I'm not very pro-anthems at games, but in that... Moment. It wasn't really an anthem at yeah, the time. Yeah, it, just it was just was, a beautiful... It was like, a, hey, that's a great song. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm and saluting. He, yeah. You can't see, but I'm saluting. I, have, I forget who that was. Um, I've already scrolled past it, but that guy is one of the guys that left initially when mm-hmm. they thought, and then, you know, you got a furlough to come back yeah, and play. It's like, I got, I, got, I got a game. I got a big game. <laughs> You're going to send me home. <laughs> what was that, Private? Yeah. <laughs> the World Series. <laughs> um, oh, oh. Discharged. Yeah. So 
this was the highlight of the day uh, to many, uh, especially because Chicago lost, uh, with the New York Times reporting that it marked the highest point of the day's enthusiasm. So I guess nobody was really stoked on a pitcher's duel that no. just had a couple of singles. Um, uh, obviously, the song would be, or yeah, well, the song would be played at the rest of the games for the series. So they were like, I guess we're doing that again tomorrow night. That was fun. Um, that was the best part of the game. We're gonna play the song again. Uh, eventually, in 1931, it would become the United States official na- national anthem. Um, so that probably led, like that moment was probably a. Does that song become? the national anthem without that moment without that dude saluting it with yeah just the whole moment mm-hmm. that's True. pretty that's everything pretty big all history. collectively together yeah. that is some awesome baseball history so i should note at this point that if you hate pitchers duels this was not the world series for you the cubs managed to even up the series with a 3-1 victory on the back of lefty tyler who not only pitched uh nine innings of one run ball but also cracked a two-run single of bullet joe bush driving in the winning runs of the game. So, game three, of course, was more of the same. Hippo Vaughn was pitching on one-day rest after throwing a complete game in the opener. Of course. Why does everyone have a nickname? Like, there's no one who just is, like, Joe Vaughn or, like... <laughs> there's, a, like, I, I'm free... Oh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, there's Sad Sam Jones on this team. Is- Sad Sam Jones? <laughs> It's great. I might be messing How up. How sad that. was he that his nickname was Sad? <laughs> Maybe like he they just had called rusting it. sad face, man. Apparently, he must have. He must have. Anyways, <laughs> uh, you can look through this 1918 roster for uh, for these teams. It's amazing. So, game three, Hippo Vaughn pitching on one day's rest, uh, and the result for Hippo was unfortunately more of the same. Hippo pitched brilliantly, except for the bottom of the fourth, where he hit George Whitman and then proceeded to give up four singles in a row, giving Boston a 2-0 lead. On the other side of the bump was Carl Mays. Yes, the man whose pitch (laughs) would kill Roy Chapman two years later. Sub Mays. Yeah, he's a submariner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fight about this. <laughs> so Carl Mays pitches a, a complete game, just one run. So Hippo Vaughn has pitched two games, and he's let in three runs, and he's lost both of them. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. How does that happen? Yeah, 18 innings, too. Two complete games. Jesus. Yeah, so he lost one nothing and 2-1. Uh, so this is when things get... Really shaky now. So off the field, the players and the owners were growing concerned. Attendance was down. The Cubs had played at Comiskey instead of Wrigley to allow more fans, but had failed to sell out the stadium every night. The Red Sox were for the first time to be holding it, uh, holding their World Series games at Fenway Park instead of Braves Field. Fenway Park was smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, the commissioner panicked and drop ticket prices, or I might have got that backwards. It might have been bigger. But either way, the commissioner panics, and he drops ticket prices to regular season ticket prices. Oh, shit. And, so, just That'd so you... That'd be a fair loss in revenue, I imagine. Yes, and just so you know, um, up until that point uh, in this year, the players got a certain part of the gate for the first four games. We've talked about this in previous right, episodes. Right. So they don't, they can't throw the World Series. They, they, you know, whether they win it in four or win it in seven, they get the same amount of money. Right. Yeah. Um, so earlier in the season, though, the American and National League changed the formula for how players' shares were calculated. Many owners thought the World Series players were making too much money from the series. Of course they yeah. did. Yeah. So they probably thought they deserved a fair chunk of what they were making at the World Series, didn't they? <laughs> They're like, there was never like, oh, I guess we're making too much money also. (laughs) They're Uh, making too much money and we're not making enough because we own the teams. Exactly. So many, many owners thought uh, the World Series players were making too much money. Uh, The new formula called for the top four teams in each league to get a share of the World Series gate. What? So So even if you didn't make the World Series, if you were one of the top four teams, you got a share of the game. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that goes to the owner or to the players, but either way, if you're a World Series team and it used to be just shared between two teams, Mm -hmm. now they're breaking it up to share between eight teams, that's a big deal. Also, 10% of the World Series shares would go to the war effort, which players were pissed about, not because they didn't want to donate money to the war effort, 
but because they just, you know, they wanted the option. Just give us the money and mm-hmm. we'll donate, you know. Yeah. If you guys tell us it's kind of expected, obviously we'd do it. Yeah. So they were kind of, they're really pissed about all of this. Uh, <laughs> so they were pissed about their share of the profits and having to share the gate with the top four teams in each league and were understandably concerned that lowering the prices were going to take even more out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as it would. As yeah. it would were you. Now. Remember when I said they were trying to save money and resources? So the teams returned on the same train to Boston. Together. Together. Everybody was on that train. Seems like a deadly train. Exactly. So Red Sox outfielder Harry Hooper figured out what the players would probably receive. Less than $1,000 bonus for each of the players on each of the teams, when most were expecting probably around 2000 So that's the difference between a, like, $35,000 bonus and a $15,000 bonus. Mm-hmm. So it's still a lot of money, generally speaking, for most average right. people. Right. But it's a big difference. But it's half. It's yeah. Half it's of it's what almost more than to half. Get. Yeah. And, and remember, Boston had won the World Series in 1915 and 1916. And mm-hmm. Hooper was on those teams. Right. And they were getting like three. They got better bonuses back then. Yeah, they then. were getting like three thousand, four thousand. Oh shit! So right? of course but, you're mad now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at, at the, the the basically what the owners had negotiated with the players, um, yeah, what the ne- owners had negotiated with the players was that they would there was a cap now of two thousand. So most players were like, oh, okay, whatever, we'll get like nineteen hundred. And then Hooper did the math before the train ride and was like, boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's you're probably gonna get like 900 bucks and yeah. everyone like mutiny yeah both yeah. teams together oh really not they're on the same train mm, shit. Yeah. so they're meeting so they're... together yeah and also to give you some some uh idea like i actually looked it up so 1917 the year before the winning share got 3500 and the losers got 2400 Mm, so shit. So now like even the winners are getting less than what the losers got the previous exa- year. It's, it's infuriating. Yeah. So Hooper and Cubs left fielder Les Mann led a player's revolt, appealing to Ban Johnson, John Hedler, and the National Commission. So the National Commission was basically a three-person committee which oversaw organized baseball from 1903 to 1920, uh, including President August Herman and, of course, the president of the AL and NL, which at this time is, is Ban Johnson and, and Hedler, or Hedler. Um, so they arranged a meeting at the Copley Square Hotel in Boston, but the owners did not show up. So Hooper oh, okay. and Les Mann are like, what the fuck? we got to fucking meet about this. Yeah. Because we need our fucking money. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? Screw you guys. Yeah. And then um, the owners didn't come. Didn't come. So, Typical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, they, they, they get in contact, and they get, they're like, yeah, no, no, it's just you know, everybody's not in town. Just, you know, just go play play game four. Play game four, and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're telling the players. And the players are like, all right. Sons of bitches. Yeah. I guess we'll do it. Yeah. <sighs> so they basically promise that they'll negotiate after the game. This made both teams furious, and to some it sounded like the teams may not take the field for Game 4. But Mann and Hooper were able to calm the rest of the teams down, and the game went on as scheduled. Okay. But Game 5 would be different. <laughs> would it now? Yes. Let's so, hear about it. Well, Game 4, first of all. <laughs> game 4, high-scoring affair, 3-2. to two. Oh, yeah. Five runs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ruth again started for the Red Sox and lefty Tyler for uh, the Cubs. Once again, it was the opposing pitcher driving in the runs. Ruth bashed a deep triple into right center with two outs in the fourth to score two and give the Red Sox a 2-0 lead. Um, Ruth was cruising on the bump until the eighth where he allowed two runs. But in the bottom of the eighth, the Red Sox retook the lead on a leadoff single followed by a pass ball and a throwing error throwing error Mm -hmm. so (laughs) ruth took the hill for for the ninth and uh gave up a single and a walk to start the inning ruth was pulled and bullet joe bush came in and took the ball chuck wartman laid down a bunt but stuffy mckinnis read the play and was able to field the ball and throw it across the diamond to third to get the lead runner 
So right. Stuffy charges from first base and gets the guy at third. Stuffy's a gamer. He is absolutely... I love Stuffy. Um, so this proved vital because the next batter hit into a 4-6-3 or a 6-4-3 double play, which ended the game and the series. Or not the series. Ended the game and gave Boston a 3-1 series lead. Okay, so uh, it's like false ending there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's it. It's, it's over. That's it. It's over. I said game five was going to be fucked up. There's no game five. Was, <laughs> it was a trick. <laughs> so after the game, the players were able to tally their share of the gate for the first four games. Because now they've played all four games. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the only ones they'd get the share of. And they were... You think they were pissed before. Now they realize how yeah. how fucked they're getting. Yeah. So the owners refused to meet with the players and did the only thing they felt they could. The players, that is. They went on strike. Okay. This is the World Series. They're striking after Game 4 of the World Series. Yeah. All right. So before Game 5, the players demanded $15, $15 a player, $1,500 a player on the winning team, and 1000 per player on the losing side. Once again, year before, they got 3500 and 2400 yeah, So reasonable. that's a very really huge reasonable. concession. Yes. Uh, the owners, again, refuse to meet and tell the players they will address their concerns, but don't worry, just keep playing. Like, they're just horrible. Like, yeah. just, no. Like, go meet them. <laughs> just meet them. Yeah. You should probably just meet them. Yeah. And you know what would be a bad idea? Is if you got really drunk before you met them. <laughs> that would be a very bad idea. And the way you said that is telling me that that's probably what they did. <laughs> it's probably not a great idea. So, um, the players said, <laughs> fuck that. The two teams decided that they would not take the field for game five. So once again, this is both teams coming together. It's not just one team. The owners laughed this off until the players actually didn't take the field for game five. <laughs> They just thought they, they called their bluff, and yeah. it wasn't a bluff. So on September 10th in Boston, fans took their seat and looked out at a vacant field. No players throwing or sprinting to warm up, just an empty ball diamond with like the umpires being like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so, I'd be so mad. Yeah. As the game became delayed, the 24,000 plus in attendance began to grumble, and the National Commission finally agreed to meet with the players. Hooper and Mann met with the commission in a tiny umpire room under the stands. There's a couple other players in there, They didn't there have somewhere better and than the umpire's room? <laughs> Surely they had a boardroom somewhere. Yeah. So, okay. So, they go... So, they're in a room probably the size of the room we're in right now. It's very small. There's three or four or five players. The press are in there, too. Press is in there. And okay. the three-man commission with uh, with Johnson, August Herman, and John Hedler, or Hedler, uh, are there. And they're fucking hammered. <laughs> this is shit-faced. The men were so drunk, they were pretty much incoherent and, able, and unable to stand. This would... I would figure this would be advantageous <laughs> to the players. <laughs> yeah! But Hooper's trying to talk to them mm-hmm. and be like, look, $1,500, it's fair, mm-hmm. right? Just write it down on paper and make them down. sign it. And apparently they were all like just slurry and mopey and weepy because they were like, oh my God, there's people in the stands. Why are you guys taking the field? Like, just <laughs> play the ball. We play. These guys just, come on. You're man. ruining the World Series, guys. <laughs> You're ruining the World Series. Yeah. We planned this. Yeah. We planned all this. So Hooper turns to reporters, also crammed in the room, and claims, there is nobody here we can talk to because clearly there's no one here who can talk. There's just a bunch of crying babies. <laughs> Babies here. Hammered crying babies. Shit faced hammered babies. However, <laughs> one of the drunk men were able to talk. And honestly, I read that only two or three of them were drunk. Two out of the three of them were drunk. But I'm mm. like, well, then You're why? You're not sure which one? But then I was like, okay, so it was Johnson who wasn't drunk. But then I read another account that was like, Johnson was very Johnson drunk. Johnson was the most drunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so Johnson starts going on. He looks them in the eyes, and I'm going to do this as drunk as I can. <laughs> and he asks them. If they wanted to let down the fans who were there to see the greatest spectacle as the country fought for <laughs> democracy. And you owe it. You owe it to the soldiers in the stands. He, he's, he's got an argument that, you know, most yeah. people could see, but. Yeah, especially yeah. in that nationalistic fervor at the time. Right, right. So it sucks. 
Hooper and Man just feel kind of defeated by three trunk crybabies that are millionaires. <laughs> so they return to the clubhouse where both teams were. Both teams are hanging out in the same clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. uh, they essentially said the teams should play. What would the competition of that game be like after that point? Well, they said that they should play. Okay. But Hooper said, if the Red Sox win today, it's all over. Mm-hmm. And we've lost our chance to negotiate. So the players took the field, and the Cubs won. 3 nothing. 3 nothing. Yep. No longer a, a duel. No longer a duel. I, as you say, the Red Sox probably punted that game. Well, it's, it certainly seems that way based on how the other four games went. Yeah, so Hippo Vaughn pitched his third complete game in five games. Mm-hmm. and uh, Jesus. Yeah, and uh, he finally got the win this time. <laughs> on a team that probably wasn't trying very hard yeah, and were just yeah. angry and grumpy. Right. Uh, so unfortunately, the press somehow did not take the players' side. <laughs> no. They didn't? No. Amazing. No. the pub- And they, they basically started the narrative. The public saw their brief strike as more petulant than justified. Because mm-hmm. once again, people they were making sacrifices. They stand their ground, really. They no. kind of like, you know. They kind of put themselves in a corner and ban Johnson making that drunk patriotic speech yeah. in front of the reporters and the reporters being like, this drunken asshole has a point. <laughs> what about the soldiers We're in the war. States? This is wartime. Are you guys not making an effort towards the war? That's what it sounds like you're trying to well, do. You're exempt from the worker fight rule. What do you have to complain about? That's right. Oh, like $30,000? I make $30,000 in my life. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. that kind of, you mm-hmm. know, Rhetoric. narrative that's yeah. going on. Uh, the fans of press were against them, and the commission threatened to donate the players' money to charity if they did not play game six. Okay. So they sobered up, and they're like, we should threaten them instead of cry. <laughs> yeah, that probably worked. We were acting more sternly instead of just solemn and just weak. So, but that's like, it, it, honestly, it, it was over at this point for everybody. Only 15,238 fans showed up at Fenway for Game 6. Uh, to compare Game 5, there was 24,694. This was Game 6 of the World Series with your team up. That's huge yeah. loss. 9,000 uh, people? Yeah. Fuck. And the players and the public both lost interest in the series. <laughs> the Royal Rooters, Boston's famous gang of fans, did not show for the game. Uh, mm-hmm. The players felt completely defeated and most likely just wanted the series to be over with. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Carl Mays pitches a complete game three hitter, and the Red Sox took game two, or sorry, game six, two to one. Boston's two runs came in the third on a missed line drive by Cubs right fielder Max Flack, which was unusual for him. We might talk about that. And it was. As anticlimactic Weird. as there has ever been an end to a World Series. Mm-hmm. The fans, Sounds like it. You know, the fans kind of celebrated. There was some confetti going off. Uh, there was cheering, but it was pretty subdued considering the moment. And there was more congratu- congratulatory handshakes than enthusiastic celebration on the field. Mm-hmm. And that was the 1918 World Series. It was absolutely fucked up, and we're not done yet. We're not done yet. We're not. I told you there's an addendum to this episode. <laughs> oh, right, right. There is an addendum. Um, so first of all, let's just go through some some World Series facts uh, from this World Series, because uh, it's pretty cool uh, to read. So it would be 87 years until the Cubs and Red Sox would play again after that game. At all. At all. Yeah. yeah. I guess they wouldn't. Yeah. They, they, it was 2005. When they did. Damn. Uh, Boston's first visit to the park, and the Cubs would not return to Fenway for 94 years after that until a three-game interleague matchup in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Red Sox scored only nine runs in the entire six-game series, the fewest runs by a winning team in World Series history. The Cubs actually outscored them. They had wow. 10 runs. That's interesting. So the teams combined for 19 runs. In six games combined. Damn, you'd see that in like one game sometimes yeah. these days. Yeah, so Red Sox hit uh, buck 86, uh, the lowest for a winning club in World Series history. Uh, and 
Also, in the 1918 World Series was only one of three fall classics where neither team hit a home run. Hmm. Yeah. And finally, famously, the 1918 championship would be the last Red Sox championship until ni- or 2004. For 86 years or yeah. something. Is that right? Yep. 86. Yeah. So, here's the addendum. Remember when the players a few weeks earlier uh, negotiated? I don't even know if I said that thing, but they basically said, we'll take the field. Uh, in game five and in game six, but we don't want any consequences for our strike action, right? right. We don't want to be blacklisted. We don't want to be... Right. Yeah. So a letter from <laughs> President Hedler arrives a few weeks later announcing the Red Sox would not receive uh, the customary championship emblem due to their participation in the strike. So, so, so they, <laughs> don't get, like, they don't, get, don't to, get the patch. They don't get the patch. The yeah, they don't get... So also, it's kind of a small price to pay, but it's still like just like principally like it's yeah. like what the fuck? It's man? just the owners screwing them. Just like being that's an asshole. all it is. It's just drunk rich people screwing players that also were probably drunk. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> also remember uh, when I mentioned the Spanish flu second wave? Mm-hmm. So this hit Boston particularly hard with thousands of soldiers and sailors coming to and from the Commonwealth Pier in Boston. But not only did the transportation of troops help spread the new deadly strain of the disease, but so did the World Series. Mm -hmm. So Johnny Smith, a sports history professor at Georgia Tech and co-author of the book War Fever, Boston Baseball and America in the Shadow of the Great War, told Forbes magazine this in 2020 when he was talking about sports returning uh, Mm -hmm. during our pandemic that we've been going through. So... This is his, uh, and and I quote, to Esquire. Uh, And it's during this period when the Red Sox and Cubs are playing in the World Series that these social gatherings, three games at Fenway Park, a draft registration drive, a Liberty Loan Parade, all those events, and the regular interaction that people had on streetcars and in saloons and so on, helped spread the virus, and Boston becomes really the epicenter of the outbreak of this September 1918 Spanish flu second wave. Mm-hmm. 5,000 people in Boston ended up dying from the Spanish flu, most of which after the World Series. Right. So. So, yeah. You think that's enough bad news? Remember I said thousands will die? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you did say that. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I never like really thought about that. Um, yeah, the like Spanish flu being spread around that time because like yeah like the hockey season was canceled yeah you know but the i mean not that it's really like one to do with the other or whatever but like the hockey season was canceled but yeah the biggest the baseball season was never canceled and that's interesting i never thought about uh the teams like moving around and spreading that around and then the fans like attending the game without any sort of precaution well just like we saw with this pandemic there was an initial virus and then it mutated and mm-hmm. became even stronger, mm-hmm. right? And so Boston just just geographically and the fact that the Red Sox were winning and in the World Series just caused more gatherings and it just it just mutated and, and just mm-hmm. was a terrible outbreak. And I'm not even done. Uh, one <laughs> okay. last little thing. On top of the 1918 World Series being potentially deadly, it may have been fixed. Mm-hmm. Seems that way. Well, the players kind of fixed one game themselves. Right. But in a 1920 court deposition from former White Sox pitcher Eddie Chicote, one of the players thrown out of baseball after the Black Sox scandal, he said, The boys on the club talked about how a cub or a number of cubs were offered 10,000 to throw the 1918 World Series. They lost 4-2 to the Boston Red Sox. That's all he said? That's all he said. In a court still, deposition, though. Still, yeah. So, be, if he was lying, he'd be perjuring himself. Yeah. But, so um, this is, it's it's hearsay. It's nothing but hearsay. There's no real proof. Right. But we know that the players were pissed about money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that alone, yeah, pissed about money would be a motivation for them to take a payoff by some gamblers or something. Right. Remember I said there was that missed fly ball in game six. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it mm-hmm. wasn't, maybe That's it was true. even, you know, after game four, game five, they went to somebody and said, you know, they're screwing us. 
what yeah. can you give us if we make sure we lose this next one? Yeah. Right? That, yeah. that could have been something that happened. But at the same point, on the other side of things, there's no fucking way Hippo Vaughn or Lefty Tyler were getting paid to lose because they they're, were amazing. They were outstanding. Yeah. 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 They allowed nine, like, you know, there was, yeah. They Maybe they were all in it together. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So that's... I mean, they all colluded together to go against the owners, so... Yeah. It's definitely possible. So the next year, the baseball restored World Series shares to the original receipts uh, distribution. So they went back to the normal way of just... Mm-hmm. The, and the winner's share even reached a record of $5,207. Nice. You could conclude that if the owners had relented, maybe the team that won that money or lost that money whatever but the next year the black Sox scandal happens yeah so this set the precedent right where the players might have been going in the white Sox players saw the cubs and the red Sox get screwed mm-hmm. and they didn't trust that the owners were gonna give yeah. them this kind of a payday for the world series yeah so, so maybe they, if so this doesn't went, happen the it, whites, the yeah. black Sox scandal may not happen because they don't feel like they got it we're kind of uh like you know being very alleged right now or whatever you want to say but um, yeah it's it's very speculative but like yeah maybe they don't have to go for like an insurance policy and take like money from gamblers in order well exactly because if they were like oh we're gonna get five thousand next year but they just saw the winning team get like 900 bucks and the losing team get 500 yeah and so the white Sox took like twenty thousand or something like that Mm -hmm. which you know, that's four guys. Like, it, it doesn't... They, they had to have... This had to have had some effect. I, there's no evidence that it had it, but it had to have. There's I'm, no way it couldn't have. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, people yeah. interact with each other in a league and in a baseball And we have that statement on the record. Right. Saying that they heard, well, you know, the food talk started because of the Cubs. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's fucked up. That's the 1918 World Series. That's like one of the most fucked up World Series ever. I don't think we'll, like, there's great World Series with drama. But this one was just a shit show, as mm-hmm. I kind of said. That's, it was, and that's a very interesting story. Like, being sort of butted right up against the scandal of the Black Sox sort of overshadows it. And I, you know, had no re- idea really of the controversy involved in the 1918 story so yeah thanks for bringing yeah. that one that's it awesome was a, it was a short season in a crazy world series uh can't wait for our world series what's your world series ideal world series matchup oh my ideal world series matchup this year of course not uh, just in general well i guess i would like to see uh the well as much as i don't want to say it what the rays okay i can see the rays go and then on the other side, uh, I don't know. There's not really, I guess, uh, I don't want to say the Giants, but I'm going to say the Giants. Oh, you son. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's cheering for the Giants. I'm like, they won like four World Series. I know, like, but I don't know. I know. My brother likes the Giants, so I, I'm I got go nothing the against the Giants. I got nothing against the Giants. I, I'm going to go uh, uh, White Sox Brewers. And, mm, uh, well, the Brewers, yeah, that would be fun too. Yeah. Yeah, they have been fun to watch. Rowdy Telez, goddamn. Goddamn, Rowdy. (laughs) Well, let's hope they can pull it off. Anyways, I am Sean. And I'm Eds. Follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and uh, Doing God Baseball on Instagram. Give us a review. Tune in next time when Edzy tells me a little playoff or World Series story, I think. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Can't wait. Okay, we'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs)